subdued Maria. <laughs> hey. <laughs> All right, much better. This is Annika in Columbia. And Maria in Happy Valley. And we are here to talk about Bellingham, the city of subdued whatever we decide to talk about. We want to get to know you, Bellingham. Both the well-known. And not so well-known. We are joined as always today by our quarantine co-host, Burrito, my lovely lounging baby. Oh, uh, Romy, my also sleepy boy. I don't know. He's, uh, I think it's, it's nap time for all mammals on the planet because there's just been like a lot of sleeping in the middle of the day in my house, both me and the cat, finding a sunny spot, getting knocked out. I get it. I don't know. It seems like there's not a lot to do, and sometimes when I get bored, I just fall asleep. <laughs> it's like, uh, I remember when everything first shut down, mm-hmm. I texted a coworker and I said, I'm going to bed, it's 8 o'clock, and I'm just going to sleep because I'm tired of being bored. I feel that. I've watched, like, all the shows on Netflix that I've wanted to watch. I've read, like, all the books I have I think are interesting. And then when I go on, like, Twitter or whatever, Reddit, Instagram, it's all just, like, coronavirus stuff. Pretty bored of that, too. (laughs) (laughs) Can't escape. It's it's everywhere. It feels like everyone's always talking about it, but nothing's ever really changing. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Which is, I guess, if if we are following the rules, it won't feel like there's much going on, which is kind of the point. Mm -hmm. Nothing really newsworthy is happening, though. Not a whole lot, but I do have some hot topics to have a few hot takes about, and I'm glad I found some, because I was worried that I'd have to start doing cold takes on old topics, which might just become a segment later, because I think that's really funny, the title, (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) where I dig up something that happened several years ago and talk about my opinion on it, but for now, we'll stick with current events. Well, Annika, I'm sure you heard about the car parade in Linden to protest the closing of the state. Yeah, it's the it was the Linden Freedom Parade. Linden Freedom Parade. I also yeah. heard that up there, up up in that part of the county, was like where a lot of the the Clorox and Lysol sold out after President Trump made his speech. Just like <laughs> you know, a different different variety of people living up there i mean like it seems like they were all in their cars so i don't actually care that they had a freedom uh, parade there were a fair amount of photos that came out of showing groups of people that were not oh well you see distancing. that's distancing. upsetting because i know that the the person that organized the whole thing was pretty adamant about everybody following the rules oh yeah no i mean i feel like maybe by the nature of if you are somebody who really, really wants to do a freedom parade, mm-hmm. there might be a few in that group that don't like being restricted. Oh, you mean they they want to be free and not follow the the, 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 <laughs> the goddamn rules? Yeah. <laughs> of the fascist society? Yeah. yeah. No, I can absolutely imagine. It's not like we're doing too much better over here in Whatcom County. There's still lots of people at the parks and on the boats and... Uh, it's just pissing me off because I haven't been anywhere in like nine weeks. <laughs> and then uh, there's a bunch of reports of like the small gatherings making new cases pop up more, like an increase. And they're blaming it on these like small gatherings that are really hard to patrol. And it's just like, goddamn people, how long are you going to make us all suffer? Because <laughs> I really want to go do stuff. 
<laughs> I'm trying to be good. <laughs> well, I mean, what what my brother was saying mm-hmm. is uh, if we want this to be over really, really quickly, we need to just not have any rules and let the spike go up in the curve really quick mm-hmm. and then um, it'll go back down quicker. But uh, the loss of human life, of course, would would be the con. Yeah. Um, Flattening the curve means that the same amount of infections happen over a spread out period of time. So as we follow the rules, our our things that we really want to do are going further and further away, but it's uh, what what we have to do to Mm, make it happen. I know. Good thing I like my neighbors. I want them all to be safe and healthy. Mm. You're welcome. Yeah. Exactly. I don't know. A uh, positive note, the Hagen raised 3,700, no, sorry, 3,700,000. 000... How do you say that number? Oh, That's, my God, Anna, uh, I'm turning 370, into 370,000. 370,000. He's looking at it. I'm like, wait, that's not right. That's not right. $370,000 to feed families. It's just, I haven't been teaching, like, for real in a while, so all my brain is getting dumber and dumber every day (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I'm working on place value with one of my students so oh my god yeah and so that that's awesome because there's a lot of people that need help right now and I was looking at I was like oh man they were doing a fundraiser I wish I I wish I would have known I would have participated and then I realized it's that stupid thing that's like do you want to donate a dollar to feed families at the end of your checkout and I'm like oh wait I helped (laughs) I definitely (sighs) said donate a dollar like five or six times yeah yeah because like why not it's a dollar what's the difference between an 82 dollar bill and an 83 dollar bill not much for me no i exactly but eventually like if if everybody does that and look now you have a bunch of money for people yes all right i'm gonna get into a real hot take here annika so maybe we'll get some haters but i don't really like i think this stuff's really good i don't really understand why there's a bunch of fundraising to feed people that work in hospitals (laughs) people that have jobs yeah. <laughs> like, I, yeah. I I, think it's awesome to do stuff for those people. But I'm wondering if, if it actually is food and money what they need. I think it's, like, protection and for people to follow the rules is probably what they would want more. Yeah. No, I think it's a nice gesture because they're so, in, in theory, their hospital employees are so busy that maybe they're, you know, not having the time to make food or, like, get meals ready. Mm-hmm. Um, but... That is not really the, I mean, I don't know about in Bellingham, but in the hospitals that all of my family members work in, it's, it's not like New York where the hospital system was totally overwhelmed. Like we have, our state has stayed underneath the max capacity so far the entire time during this outbreak. A lot of which is because less people are coming to the ER for other things because either they're afraid to go for something little or there's less people out and about getting into accidents and whatnot. But yeah, so it's like, I get the gesture. It made a lot more sense to feed healthcare workers in places where they're like, they were swamped. Like what, what is it over in New York and and Lombardy, Italy a while ago? No, I think, I mean, I know my aunt posted something about how she would prefer that people were donating food to families. Yeah. And that's, this is not like, I super appreciate all the hospitals. I I don't want to to come across seeming like I don't. I think that they're excellent and they're working so hard and they're awesome. You know, they're fighting for all the people in our community. I just, it was curious to me that it seemed like there were a lot of 
things about food for them when I was, you know, it just didn't seem like maybe food was the most important factor there. I know. PPE. Yeah. It seemed like the the PPE, the masks and and getting that protection and and support um, from the administration was probably like the big thing. And I don't know. I just, we have so many, at least in our, our school district, like immigrant families and families that don't have documentation. So they don't get unemployment. They don't get the same government aid they're sort of like there's not a support system for them like there's a support system for all of us citizens that are are facing losses and hours and stuff like that and I mean I I brought food to several several students over this um, period of time because they or their family doesn't have access to that sort of help and so Mm -hmm. it just makes me like there's not just my students like students all over our counties are struggling with food insecurities and, you know, not just them, their parents, other migrant workers and stuff that don't get that help just makes me worried about them. Mm-hmm. And hopefully the money that Hagen was able to raise, these families would have access to that as well or? Yeah, hopefully, okay. hopefully like the local food banks and school districts and, and other places that people can, can give their support. And there's probably things that uh, programs I don't know about that are specifically for helping that group of people that don't get that employment and stuff because they don't have a social security number and whatnot but like on another topic sorry all of these are kind of bummers today (laughs) (laughs) it's also I was just thinking about too how you and I were kind of having brain fuzz we're pretty low energy Mm -hmm. and then the for the second part of this episode which was recorded like a week ago, we are very high energy, and and so it, it'll just be a funny contrast. When yeah. Oh, man. Zip on over to the interview. That'll be fun. But just hold on with me for like two more minutes, fans, because I've got I've got one more thing that I need to talk yes. about. Ugh. Okay. Western Washington University is cutting down some trees to build a building. Why is this important? I don't know either, but some people are really upset about <sighs> it. Now, this is not in the ARB. It's not even, like, really a forest. If you look at some pictures, it seems like, I don't know, it's about 50 trees, like, behind some buildings. I probably know these trees, but, like, the amount of posturing about senior citizen trees, oh, my God. It's, like, I think if we lived in a perfect society where we didn't have, like, the amount of, of homelessness and mental illness and, like, a housing crisis and all this stuff, then I could, like, have the energy to get really upset about some trees, but I just, (sighs) we don't. And it's not even, like, they're, it's not even, like, they're, like, bulldozing the arb or something. Yeah. And so that's my hot take, is that people shouldn't get upset about a couple trees. What is, uh, what, what is the, what are they building? Um, oh, it's just some extra building for students. It's not a dorm. I think it's, it's on that south side of campus where a lot of the newer buildings are. Yeah, and there's, like, quite a bit of space over there, I feel like. Yeah, and, and... you know what? University of Washington's going to expand. I think one of the other things that bothered me about this this thread that I was reading is it, it ended up turning into, like, a lot of hate for Western student. And, I don't know, that always kind of bugs me. It's like, eh, yeah, sure, let's, like, yell at the young kids to get off their lawns. But it's just kind of, like, another sort of otherism that Mm -hmm. just like 
irks me because we were all young at one point. And so wait, just to clarify, yeah, people are getting mad at the Western students because the trees are going to be getting cut uh, down. <laughs> well, just mad at Western, and then that turning into like, ugh, Western's gonna add. 7,000 more students next year. We don't need 7,000 more students in our town. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. I was reading, I was reading a, another thread on a different website. It was some person from Leavenworth was commenting that everyone in Leavenworth hated tourists. It's like, why? <laughs> why? <laughs> yeah. Your whole town is like a literal, like the poor man's Disneyland. <laughs> Yeah. That's like where all your revenue comes from. Well, no, exactly. <laughs> if there were no tourists in Leavenworth. Yeah. No, that doesn't that's foolish. Yeah. I don't know. I don't I pro I don't believe that everyone in Leavenworth hates tourists. No. I think it's probably just, you know, a couple cranky people. Just like I don't believe that everyone in Bellingham hates Western students, just a couple cranky people. But I'm feeling a little bit cranky today because I was looking for like fun stuff to talk about and everything. I was reading online just sort of pissed me off, which is kind of why I'm in this like <laughs> uh, persnickety mood, <laughs> <laughs> let's call it. Um, but you know, listeners, I was in a much better mood for the second half of the episodes. So you're really gonna probably enjoy that more, and I'll look for like more fun stuff to talk about. Hopefully, for next week, it won't be such a bummerville. <laughs> well, do we have a a positive note to? Okay, Annika. One yes. positive thing before we jump on over to our interview. So I'm so happy that we have a awesome McDonald's manager named uh, Alicia Neely, it seems like. And she saved someone's life by doing CPR. Cool. Yep. And, you know, I don't really have an opinion on it other than, like, good for her. Yeah. Great job. But just, like, a little bit of sparkle and light for all you guys. Yeah, especially with, like, a real bummer for first part of this episode. I know. Sorry for, like, sorry. It's such a bummer. No, I mean, it's, it's like still cranky. good information. We're just both, like, meh. I'm just, like, tired of talking about COVID stuff. And, I don't know, things that probably usually, like, wouldn't make me feel grumpy or making me feel a little bit grumpy today. So, I just yeah. decided to talk about it. I'm just letting hey. you know how I feel, man. Hey, it's normal. It's natural. Let it out, girl. Let it out. I'm gonna. It's like my own freedom parade for my mouth. <laughs> okay. All right. Should we? Uh, should we get on over to our awesome interview segment? Yeah. Everybody, brace yourselves because we're about to get real high energy. Yeah. Real turn. Real fast. There we go. <laughs> okay. Today we have a very special guest. Marissa McGrath is the assistant director to the Downtown Bellingham Partnership. The Downtown Bellingham Partnership recently had a good shout out in one of our episodes, the one with the owner of Fringe Boutique, Rihanna Troutman. She gave some good credit to the Downtown Bellingham Partnership. We got to learn a little bit about the incognito work that you guys do downtown to make downtown Bellingham so great. Oh, well, that's so sweet. We love Rihanna. Oh, me um, too. Oh, she's fa she's fabulous. And she's got another one of those names that you have to know how to pronounce perfectly. Yeah. It's not we, Rihanna. It's Rihanna. Yep. We, we learned that on the episode. Yeah. <laughs> Always just flying by the seat of our pants over here. So yeah. um, how are you doing, Marissa? And what are you drinking? Oh, well, well, thank you for asking. I think I'm drinking. Is it a, is it a Batita? B I think so. Batita from um, 
from Swim Club, and it is a coconutty, rummy drink with a salt rim, which I never would have thought to put a salt rim on a coconutty, rummy drink, um, but but I was very graciously gifted this beverage by you ladies who went and got the curbside uh, Swim Club um, yes. cocktail kit for me, and I feel very special drinking it now. I'm going to take a sip right this second. Mm. It's, yes. it's partially uh, my apology for running a jackhammer. <laughs> Right, because we're neighbors. We're next door neighbors, Annika and I are. There we go. <laughs> Still recording remotely, though. Yes, yes, I know. I almost thought about it. It's, it's too bad that it would be too um, loud with every single person in the Columbia neighborhood currently banging something with a hammer right now or using a <laughs> circular saw. I was like, I wish we could just sit on our front porches and record this, but this is oh, still really nice. <laughs> yes. But yeah, we have we are... We have been making our share of noise over here as well, too, because you have to keep have your projects going or you start to go a little bit cuckoo bananas. Jesus, I know. <laughs> I tiled so, the yeah. bathroom floor. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, you won't see me doing that anytime soon. <laughs> I, I think I'd rather be cuckoo bananas than have to do home improvement projects. Oh. <laughs> so. Fuck, I'm having so much fun. <laughs> That's great. It, yeah, I'm, a, I'm more of a crafter knitter type person. Perfect. And also, as we'll probably discuss later, I like to put all of my nervous energy into try to fixing things like in my um, community. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. We will get to that. Uh, Maria, what are you drinking? I am drinking. So I also went to go get swim club pickup because Anna and I have been talking about how we wanted it for like three weeks and we're like today we're doing it uh Mm -hmm. so i went and got the pour and star martini and i went a little bit rogue with it and just threw the entire cocktail kit in my blender with a bunch of ice and so it's like slushified this is the season for blender drinks and april or may 1st (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah it starts today may day is Mm -hmm. we all start all of us uh you know, in Margaritaville. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what do they go like parrot heads like Jimmy Buffett? Just yeah. break out the blenders and, you know, we'll see you all in September. Yeah, yeah, that's how you know it's officially the beginning of summer is that you've made a blender drink. And actually, I think that this drink that I'm drinking now would do very well um, to be because I because I didn't realize that I was going to get um, like basically four portions of one cocktail yeah. because it came with four tiny rums and then a big um, a big mixer of, with the coconut milk and the other the other stuff in it. And so I could totally, for my second option, put it in a blender. That's a really good idea, Maria. Chock full of them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is only the beginning. Yeah. The more martinis I drink, the more good ideas I will definitely have. <laughs> yes. And then, Annika, you're drinking the same thing? I am drinking the Porn Star Martini, and it is very strong, but I think it's because I made it very strong, so I have nobody to blame but myself. So what's in it? I didn't see the list of the one that they had on. I, I think I kind of glossed over that one because I was like, I don't want to tell people that I'm drinking a Porn Star Martini. <laughs> <laughs> but I, but so I, I appreciate you both for doing that. Uh, yeah. I want to know I've more been, about it. So I've what's been, in I've it? I've been home with my boyfriend. I'm like, it's time for the Porn Star Martinis. Do you want a Porn Star Martini? He's like, only if you stop calling it that. And I'm like, I bought it so I can call it whatever yes. I want. Yes. <laughs> cool. yes. So yeah, what's uh, in it? I think it's I think it's passion fruit, lime, vanilla, mm. and vodka. Yes. Oh man, and it's That's very tasty. I, 
It's really I'm a tasty. sucker for passion fruit, and they do a really good job. Their passion fruit, I think it's like it's they do a, a really fabulous job. And I'm so so excited because I've, as you may have guessed, because I work at the Downtown Bellingham Partnership, I have been taking turns um, trying the cocktail kits at all the downtown establishments yes. first because mm-hmm. they're the people that I know and work with the most. So it was kind of I felt like this this feels like a vacation going all the way to Fairhaven. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Um, exotic Fairhaven to have a swim club beverage. So thanks again, guys. Of course. And there's a lot of downtown cocktail kits we can choose from right now, too. I, I saw Bayou was doing one, mm-hmm. Red Light. Yep. Who there's else? Kismet. Okay. And I don't know if you have tried Kismet, but they are the the kind of uh, not known. Like, what do I? What's the phrase that that makes it sound sexier besides the lesser known? It's like the <laughs> um, the the sort of uh, low key but very um, classy and fun museum restaurant and bar that's associated with the Lightcatcher Building. So. What? It's been different oh. things. It was, yeah. So I they have to... a cafe. And in the Lightcatcher Museum, they have a cafe. And it used to be like Cheese Meets Beer a long time ago. I don't know that you'd have to, that's a kind of deep cut. But um, that was a long time ago. And then it's it's been other things. And, and now it's Kismet, which were um, two of the people, the former owner of The Real McCoy um, oh. and his partner now have that. And so, yeah. And I love so The Real McCoy. Doing, yes. So they're I doing also love Saltine. Kits. I'm glad that like those ideas can all exist in the same cinematic universe and yes, i only absolutely. have one goal in life now what and that's it? to go to the fun speaky museum that i, I didn't know about and i, I feel ashamed i know everything <laughs> didn't know about this so i love i love that we have this really cool museum the light catcher museum is a beautiful art museum that a lot of people have never been into and i think kismet is a really great kind of like a breaking of the seal if you can just go in there and have a glass of wine then you can you just the lobby is right there and you just keep going i mean that is when we can all do that again but for now they're making these really fun take-home cocktail kits which is their you know that's their roots at the real mccoy they, they're doing more wine and beer at the um at kismet now but it's really fun to to get to taste what brandon um the former owner of real mccoy comes up with with those so i recommend that one for your next beverages for your next take-home beverages and i think black sheep is doing mm-hmm. um delivery Mm-hmm. I don't know who else is doing delivery off the top of my head, but Temple Bar just yesterday, which was the last day of April, so when this is out, it'll have be like a week old. Temple <laughs> Bar is doing their um, their kits for um, for curbside pickup too, so you can get all of those classic Temple Bar cocktails as well. So I'm really excited about all the different options, and I feel like it's going to be very easy to be blacked out every single night of the week unless I'm super careful. I know. So. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I, I mean, you're at your house. Of- Right? It's it's not like anything bad could happen. But I definitely feel, like, peaceful in my soul, knowing that I can at least pick something up from Galloway's now or Red Light or Swim Club Mm -hmm. or any of my my favorite cocktail bars are, like, they're they're coming back to me, even, like, small pieces. And have you noticed how much, like, just genuine creativity and gratitude you're experiencing when you go and pick them up? Like, I I mean, I don't know if this is everyone's experience, but every place I've been to, they're just, like, so, first of all, the, the stuff that they're putting out is so creative. Like even just when I got my first one from the Black Sheep, they had like a lime and in like a to-go salsa container that mm-hmm. <laughs> provided you. Leaf and Ladle um, does is doing champagne cocktail kits, which comes in like a cute huh. picnic basket. And with little golds, I got the ones I got came with gold sparkly champagne glasses. Oh my I'm god! Sorry, I'm calling them Leaf and Ladle, but I mean the L and L Libations, which is the new bar, the newish bar that's next yeah, door. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. They're doing such cute stuff, and so people have been so creative, and yeah, like the spirit, the like positivity that I feel when I see people 
you know, you go into their space and they're just like really happy that you're taking them up on this offer, you know, like that you're showing up to support them through it. And that feels really good. Yeah. And it's really cool too, to see, hold on, you're going to hear Romy. I was like, I thought you just had bangles. <laughs> yeah, no, it's his. It's his little collar. He you're just like, he ruins shaking all your wrist with your your yeah. cocktail in your hand. Is what I think. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> no, it's fun to see though, like the familiar faces. Like I just went to fuck. What's it? Bayou. <laughs> uh, sometimes yeah. words. And I don't know either of their names, but they're two bartenders that I have seen there for years. And it was like, oh my god, it it's you. It's nice. I miss you. Yeah. So yeah. was one of them a redheaded man? Yes. Oh, hold on. I'm going to put Romy out really quick. <laughs> Bye, Romy. Oh, oh Romy. <laughs> okay. Yes, one of them was a redheaded man. Okay, and... great. So that was, that was Josh Holland. Okay. And he is the manager of the bar there. And when I used to work at Bayou, he was a coworker of mine. And um, now he's the manager of the bar there. So he's cool. a fabulous human being. And we love him. He used to be... Just talking about Bellingham Insider Scoop, he was in a band that was called Dog Shredder and then changed to Wild Throne and they got like a Virgin Records contract and he's like toured the world in in big bands and he's an amazing, incredible uh, musician and performer and um, Bellingham sucked him back in. We have him back now. (laughs) (laughs) And I love that he is the bar manager of Bayou because he really treats it with so much thoughtful stewardship. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And it's, he's another person that you, know, you see, like, you don't see for a while. And you see him again. You're like, hey. Um, <laughs> I, 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 it feels weird to tell you, stranger, but I miss you. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. When you're in this isolation. Oh, well, thank you, Josh. Yeah, Josh. There you go. Yeah. It's, that kind of reminds me, that whole fuzzy feeling that I think we have as a community in, our, in downtown and in Fairhaven, too. Reminds me of, I did a this bike ride in January of 2019 through the tunnel in Seattle. They were letting people, mm-hmm. they did this, the, before they tore down the viaduct, you got to ride your bike on the viaduct and then through the tunnel. It was Super Bowl Sunday, so it was all the biker people, the bike, the cyclist people who don't care about football got to go. And um, <laughs> it was super fun. And as I was riding my bike, somebody who I vaguely recognized just yelled, Bellingham, at me <laughs> on the sidelines. <laughs> Because that's kind of like, you're just like, I know that you live in Bellingham too, friend. Oh, but I don't, aw. yeah. That's kind of what I feel like you just experienced with Josh Holland at Bayou. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like a, hey. Exactly what, I mean, had I seen Josh Holland in another spot, I probably would have said the same thing. Either Bellingham mm-hmm. or Bayou. Bayou! Bayou, man! Bayou! Exactly. Luckily, everyone's like kind and so they don't give you stink face (laughs) (laughs) well and they they know what you would mean yeah if you're like in seattle and all of a sudden somebody yelled bellingham shoot you know i'd be like oh yeah okay we probably just love that they don't know your name they just know that you live in (laughs) (laughs) yes it is represent perfect (laughs) so since this is a bellingham podcast yes what brought you to bellingham so i'm one of the common breed of people who came out here to go to western Mm -hmm. so i was i'm from the midwest yeah from the midwest and from oklahoma and illinois for the most part 
And when I graduated from Northern Illinois University, also the Huskies are, <laughs> they're also Huskies. Nice. Um, I got into graduate school at Western and I took a year off um, to do AmeriCorps and to establish residency because I was mm. very broke. And so I was like, I'm going to be an in-state tuition person. And yeah. I got a job at a nonprofit organization called the Slum Doctor Program, which is still in town. And they um, raise awareness about the global HIV and AIDS um, epidemic. Mm-hmm. They do fundraising to support people who have been affected by HIV and AIDS in Kenya. And so mm-hmm. I did an AmeriCorps stint with them. And after a year in like 2007, I was realizing that all of my friends who got graduate degrees in anthropology, which is what I came out here to do, were working in um, department stores and record stores uh-huh. and weren't able to get jobs. <laughs> And I really, really, really loved the work that I was doing in nonprofits. And I've been in nonprofits almost exclusively ever since, at least a little bit, um, working in nonprofits ever since. And that was, yeah, like I said, 2007. So that's what that's what initially brought me here. And the reason that I, when I looked at grad schools that I picked here, though, is my dad is from Iceland. And when I was a kid, we would go there and I would lo- I loved how they have their historic economic centers or downtowns or city centers where there would be a, a bookstore and a cafe and a little hotel and the people all gathered there and the bars and restaurants are all focused in those areas. And you, you know, you go at Christmas and all of my cousins would, you know, recognize their friends and be playing with them in the plaza and see their teachers from school. And I just thought growing up in a place like Illinois, where your whole world is a strip mall in a mm-hmm. huge parking lot next to another strip mall in a huge parking lot, uh-huh. I just couldn't, it was mind blowing to me and I loved it. And I had, I've always had this really romantic feeling about it and I was in Bellingham and back then it was um La Vie and Rose was a French bakery and it was across the street from, street from Stewart's which is now where Bayou is and mm-hmm. I my dad and I were going around and having lunch in places like that and I felt that same vibe in Bellingham it just reminded me so much of being in a small European um a big European town or a small European city so that was a big part of falling in love with this place and and really feeling like it was going to be my home and wanting to put roots down in a place like this. Yes. And I still have friends that mourn the loss of the quiche from La Vian Rose. <laughs> not a big quiche person myself, but it's definitely comes up in conversation. You're not a big quiche person. I just that's... don't really like eggs, but that's, that's on me. But, but did you ever have La Vian Rose's quiche? Because I... <laughs> <laughs> you may have just never had a good quiche. I think it's that might be it. I didn't like croissants until I went to France and I was like, oh. Okay. <laughs> I've been eating Costco croissants. That's the problem. <laughs> All this time. Right. And until and then Mount Bakery's croissants are the closest thing in America I've ever come to. Oh, a, a, a real I love the Parisian chocolate croissant. ones. So oh, good. Oh man. The raspberry cream cheese yeah. is oh. the best one in my opinion. So because you've you've lived in Bellingham quite a while, we're hoping that you have a Bellingham story, something amusing with a person, place, or thing that locals would recognize. So I thought I was yeah, I think that I can give you one of those. So when I know you interviewed the Good Time Girls recently and I was one of the founder founding members of the Good Time Girls. Me and my friend Sarah Halonic started the Good Time Girls back in 2012. And I stepped away because I because I really saw a calling at the downtown Bellingham partnership and felt like that's where I wanted mm-hmm. to go. But the, you know, when I was initially doing research, there's an interesting thing that happened where I was like, you know, 26 
seven and showing up in places like the historic archives at the, at the college, the state archives there, and the photo archives at the, at the museum, at the uh, Watkin Museum downtown. And um, just like showing deep interest in local history, wanting to talk about stuff that is not, you know, most people when they go into the archives are researching their genealogy. Mm-hmm. They might be researching some, some aspect of history. Sometimes it's pretty dry, but I would just straight up be asking, you know, people about where the brothels were and what the sex work life was like. And if there was any more information <laughs> that we could find. And so I, you know, it's like I quickly was able to kind of make friends, I think, because I was, you know, just being really blunt and straightforward and and, um, friendly about it, I think, too. So I went to the photo archives at the Watkin Museum, which are open to the public Wednesday to Friday in the afternoons. They're they're just a really great place to go. You can see all of the best photos. And I eventually made friends with Jeff Jewell, who's the city archivist. And one day he was just I caught him in a particular mood and he was like you know he found out that I hadn't really ever actually been in the historic museum in old city hall that much like I you know I'd been in and seen the main floor but I wasn't even aware that there was like the the section in the old um, fire department where there was um stuffed taxidermied birds like a huge collection of taxidermied (laughs) birds and he just was kind of surprised, and so he had some time, so he showed me around. And um, I hope that I don't get him in trouble, but he let me go up into the <laughs> clock tower, <laughs> the clock tower of the of the old city hall, so the big red iconic huh. building downtown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, first of all, that clock tower has functioned like maybe three years of its entire existence. <laughs> it's, it, the, the, the clock itself has, has told time like three or four years of its whole existence. And that was in the 90s, the 1990s. That huh. place was built in the 1890s and they couldn't, there was a huge economic downturn and crash that made everything really difficult for downtown for a long time <laughs> in 1893. And it made, um, it made it so that they couldn't afford to buy the like mechanism to hook up the clock. So there are these clock faces and hands, but they weren't hooked up to anything. And so in the 90s, they bought an old Victorian clock works to hook up to it. And, um, but they wanted everyone to see the beautiful history, the beautiful Victorian clock works part, like the mechanism. And so they put it on like the second floor and then ran all this weird, crazy, jerry-rigged thing up to the actual clock to try to get it to work, but it just never really worked. Yeah. So I've always wanted to have a series of postcards that are like the non-functioning public clocks of Bellingham. (laughs) (laughs) Until very recently when Bob Hall bought the building, the one on the the um, Bellingham Bank building where um, Comics Place is, mm-hmm. that clock didn't function until really recently either. So anyway, <laughs> Jeff Jewell <laughs> let me go up some stairs in into what I thought was going to be the bell tower. And then you go in there and like, oh no, there's also like a set of rickety wooden stairs that you have to go up if you actually want to go up to the clock. <laughs> so I go up there and then finally there's just like a straight up metal aluminum ladder that goes through a tiny little hole like you're going into an attic and it is windy. There are pigeons flying around. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like Harry Potter. It feels like it's it's not that high off the ground, but it feels like the whole building is swaying when you're up there. <laughs> and so I got to go up in there. And you can, he showed me that they can change the time. There's this big like metal rod that you can twist and you can change the time on the, on the faces of the clock. Um, but it doesn't actually run. So, you know, every once in a while, you'll look up and the clock will have a different time. And that's because somebody went up there and just changed the time. <laughs> so when, 
when FDR died, somebody changed the time to the time of his death. Huh. And they left it there for like a year. Hmm. Yeah. Oh. Isn't that interesting? That is. And then yeah. people will change it to like a significant dates or, or things like that. So, of course, I changed it to 420. I, yep. I was just going to ask. Because I was like, what's a funny time? <laughs> 420. <laughs> 420. And it was up like that for about seven months before I think someone either like someone else got to go up there and change it or someone went, hold on, the this old city hall's clock's been at 420 <laughs> for we don't know how long. <laughs> I wonder if they have, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I wonder if that, uh, anyone ever noticed and put anything on Reddit. That's a, that's oh. a Maria question. She's like Ooh, all over Reddit. Um, that is not something our local R. Bellingham has ever taken note of. Get yeah. on it, R. Bellingham. <laughs> Where are our yeah, clock investigators? Gonna be, yeah, everyone's going to be looking for symbolism in the clock time now, which mm-hmm. I think is great. I had never thought about it before. Um, but yeah, they also have this creepy, on like the second level of trying to get into the clock tower, there was this really creepy mannequin that they have in old city halls museum that it's just like a like from a bygone era i'm sure it used to wear like a prairie dress or something and some (laughs) (laughs) yeah and so it's this little girl like a blonde little girl with like short hair and every once in a while they'll like set that up in a window or something i think it's set up in a window right now to kind of freak people out as they're walking by so yeah that's (laughs) people really You guys, I'm here to tell you, our museums are incredible places. (laughs) We need to go to them more often. Yeah, when we're we're able to, let's all go back to the museums or go to them for the first time. How long have you been a part of the Downtown Bellingham Partnership and what got you involved? So I used to um, have the Good Time Girls tours and then my business partner, Sarah Halonik, and I opened um, something called the Bureau. And the Bureau was a little shop, which is where Jack's. Uh, bar is now Mm, mm -hmm. and it was we had it for about three years and it was um our exit through the gift shop shop that's what we kind of joked about so it was like you could take a tour and you had a place a physical place that you met because before that we were literally meeting on street corners which was poetic in its own way but um (laughs) you could take a good time girls tour and meet us there and we were doing you know we do we did scary history tours and stuff too but we wanted to showcase local artists we wanted there wasn't really at the time a place that you could go and just buy local artists or local craftspersons goods and so we had a model that was really similar to like an antique mall where you basically people uh, local artists and, and craftspeople rented like a booth and they sold and they curated their booth and they, they sold it in that space. And um, through that process, I really realized how I got to, you know, open a brick and mortar experience mm. that be in retail for the first time in that kind of capacity and like a, in like a, an ownership capacity. And I really realized how much, how much help that, that a small, that small business really needs, even in an environment like Bellingham where our values are very strongly supportive of small business. And um, I really saw that the downtown Bellingham partnership, everything that they were doing felt really helpful and positive. You know, they run the art walk and we would literally make our rent on art walk nights because you got so many Mm. people coming through the door. They did downtown sounds, um, which brought so many people into downtown and they were doing other stuff behind the scenes, including stormfront improvement grants and other work. And I just was like, you know, my nonprofit, um, My, my inner nonprofit uh, administrator was just like really drawn to them. I started out as um, uh, volunteering on one of their committees and then a position came open and I was just really excited. I it was at a place with the shop where I felt like I, it was a half, t- it was a part-time job and I could do that and still have the shop because I had a business partner. So 
eventually we kind of, we got to a point where um, we had some, we had some pretty serious burnout. I mean, it's very hard mm -hmm. to run a small business and, you know, and, and retail is particularly hard. I mean, we used to joke because the comics place used to be next door to us. And then at the time there was a, the Senate smoke shop was on the other side. Mm -hmm. We used to joke like, we need to sell something addictive like comic books or cigarettes because <laughs> <laughs> we need people to come in. Like, you know, we sold necklaces and art and people needed that, you know, once a year around Christmas time or for someone's birthday or something, but we really yeah. just couldn't, you know, it's just like we didn't have, and this was also in an era just before Instagram. So mm -hmm. our ability to promote ourselves and through social media and stuff really hadn't developed. And it was just an, it was just an interesting time. So I really saw, I started to really feel a passion to trying to work towards trying to support businesses like us to exist, but also to work towards, you know, really educating the community about, you know, if you, if you want things like this to exist, you have to, you have to partake, you have to go down mm -hmm. and you have to support. And so um, it's really interesting now because I've, you know, I started out as like the office manager and I'm the, the assistant director after five years. And so, and obviously we ended up closing the shop and this has become my full, my full passion and everything that I do. But we, you know, now I really think people are starting to feel a palpable concern um, for their small businesses and for our, yeah. honestly, our way of life in Bellingham. So yeah, so that's how I ended up um, getting the job that I'm in now. And then I can also talk about just kind of what the partnership does in general. Yeah, that'd be great. Okay. So the Downtown Bellingham Partnership, like I said, does um, a lot of these promotional events, which... Obviously, a lot of them are going to have to be canceled. Downtown Sounds can't happen this year. Wine Walk can't happen this year. Art Walk is going is on is virtual, which is great. Um, if if you haven't checked out Virtual Art Walk, um, it's the first Friday of every month, and there's been some really cool stuff. It's Children's Art Walk um, when this is being recorded on on May first, but um, mm. the next one is the first Friday in June, and it's um, a virtual art walk is really cool because it's a way that you can purchase art directly from an artist. But there's also some of the, the retailers downtown are getting involved in Rihanna and did a really cool thing where she just did, she just kind of showed earrings that she had mm -hmm. that were from local makers and then on a um, Instagram live and then had the makers on who were available to answer questions about their process. And it was, it was really cool. I bought some earrings from <laughs> Rihanna from French. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's a fun thing to get involved with, but yeah, we're not going to be able to do for the, for the foreseeable. I mean, downtown sounds brings like 2000 people together every night. Yeah. We just can't, we just can't do that right now. And mm -hmm. It's hard. We are working on a virtual version um, that would probably be, it's normally in July, but we're thinking it might be August. Um, that could be actually shown on BTV10, streamed online, and hosted within venues instead to really promote the venues because they're obviously having a really tough time right now. Because yeah, if you make your money off of getting hundreds of people into one room and that's what you do, it's, it's really difficult for places like Wild Buffalo and The Shakedown. Yeah. So, yeah. So we also do grant programs for storefront improvement. We do, we're the neighborhood organization, the neighborhood association for downtown. So we host uh, quarterly neighborhood association meetings. We have committees for our retailers. We have the Bellingham Nightlife Association is operated through us. And then we have contracts with the city to do the landscaping for downtown and also to do kind of operations. We also have a retail advocate who is a staff member who literally his whole job has been for the last year and a half to just recruit people to come in and support new 
business. And when we say retail in that capacity, we also mean restaurants. So she's helped um, places like um, Just Poke open. Mm-hmm. And she's been really instrumental in things like the Bellingham Axe, which is still, which is coming soon. But the axe throwing place that is opening what? in the basement. Yes. Yeah, there's a new axe okay. throwing. No I axe knew throwing that was coming, <laughs> but I don't like, I've just been so curious as to where they were going to put it. So it's in the basement of what people call the old Giuseppe's or which is next to Bellingham Bar and Grill. Yeah, it's also called the Elks Building. It's by Pure Bliss. And so it's in the basement of that space. And um, the owner is a really wonderful guy. And I'm really excited. I feel really bad because he wanted to be open in May. And so um, his his business, though, is actually very social distanceable because you're literally in like little alleys and you can't Mm -hmm. even face someone while you're doing it. So... Bellingham Axe is something great. So yeah, she's, so our, our retail advocate, you know, literally goes and visits other communities, finds people that are ready to open new franchises. Um, just Poke is an example of a new franchise, but also just is available to new businesses when they have questions mm-hmm. um, or people that are, that are um, looking locally and need to find the perfect space. Um, so she works with brokers. She works with local landlords and she tries to really cure, tries to do the thing that is working towards curation of downtown so that you end up, um, you know, with a little strip of women's retail next to each other or, and maybe a place that's going to do breakfasty cocktails, breakfast with cocktails and that sort of stuff, as opposed to like, there was a while there where it was like vape shop, you know, the vape shop next to Mod Sock, another, uh, you know, the post office and then another vape shop. And it's like, let's have yeah, some yeah. intentional. <laughs> There's like a, a, like the circuit wireless or something where the mm-hmm. sex shop used to be, and it didn't make a whole lot of sense in like random art galleries yeah. that had barely anything in them. No, I think, I think downtown's becoming like, much more efficient and filled with things that I like. So I'm <laughs> super happy for all the work that you guys yeah. have done. Can oh, you speak you. to any of those places that have just seemed to be abandoned like for a long time? You mean like empty, empty, empty places spots? It seems like, you know, people want to be downtown, like rents pretty high. And then, but then there's still like a scattering of for a long time before that new sort of development was happening state street there's like two blocks where it's just like mm-hmm. ramshackle like what even is that and then the dive store yeah there's yeah and like that space in particular i mean so th- one thing you're kind of pointing out with that too is like that was uh, one of the issues can be that we can end up with some landlords that just really don't care and mm-hmm. so they can get a tax write-off for having an empty space or they can just never do any improvements you know, never give any breaks to their, um, to their tenants for doing improvements. I mean, that can exist and and does exist. And, um, and that can cause problems also just like square footage. You know, if you, Mm -hmm. if the average, you know, per square foot is $17 a square foot in downtown for rent a month, that's a lot, that's high. And so if you're going to have like, if you have something like the Morse hardware building, which is right next to red light, it's just, what would you put in there? That's going to make financial sense because you're going to have to, some of these buildings were left for 40 years, very little work being done on them. So you're going to have to gut it. And then you're going to have to try to figure out how to turn a profit on it. And also it's huge. So your rent, or if you're purchasing the building, it's just a huge investment. And that's the, that's part of the problem. That's one of the things that was really starting to creep up on us before COVID-19 was the astronomical, just like we experience as renters and property owners, the astronomical cost just to exist. And then how do mm-hmm. you <laughs> just <laughs> right, to rent yeah. or own or, or, or take up space? It's like, 
then how do you make money on top of that? So um, an example people use a lot is the the space next to the comics place that's been slated to be a, it was slated to be a coffee shop for a long yeah. time. So it, if you're in a situation where you have you know you rent a building, but maybe there's certain things you you it, it always happens too that people work with the permit center or they're trying to do this like major build out. That's always the thing that we try to discourage. Like if you if you can um, avoid doing a major build out, if you don't have to have a try to put in a commercial kitchen in a space that used to be a bank, then please don't because you're going to yeah, have to. Sure. <laughs> if you can maybe rent something that already has a kitchen, that's a way better situation. So when you have a, you know, a, I think in their case, they have like an eight foot cement floor and mm. you can't put a floor drain in something like that to have a kitchen. You can't, you can't bring it up to, to code. So it gets kind of wonky and boring, but it's just basically like practicality. And so we built things like there are department stores, like the JC Penney building, that's a department store and department stores don't want to be in these small cities, downtowns anymore. Like they, they can't, they want to be someplace with a parking lot and there's a reason for that and it, and it makes sense, but you know, the there's a proposal for that building that's still on the table where they would basically go into the basement of JCPenney and put in an entire floor of, you know, basement parking, add another floor of parking in the back of the alley, and then have storefronts in the front, and then have multiple layers of um, housing above that. But there is a, the owner of that building does not want it to be that, which is to, you know, to us is sort of, or to me is sort of huh. crazy. Like that sounds like the perfect thing for there. <laughs> he just really wants it to be rented to somebody who's just going to rent it and basically keep it the same. And that's just, you know, we, we can't do that. That's not, that's not how it works. You know, JCPenney's not coming back. That's not what our downtown needs. Yeah. yeah. We need like more housing and more businesses that are like walkable and stuff. Yeah. Can you imagine if you could live? I mean, that was also the city was going to, it's like, it's, if this happens, the city will partner on it and they will um, subsidize some of the housing in there so that like maybe the top floor is dedicated to like big, beautiful views and big, beautiful apartments. But mm -hmm. the other floors um, could have studio and one bedroom apartments that were subsidized by the city partially so that you could have affordable housing in there. I mean, the way that they had it would be that somebody who worked and made thirty to forty thousand dollars a year could could easily afford a place in there, which is awesome. And that means, and they could even like you know, and then and then having the ground level retail, they could even work in some of those shops or you know, oh, um, I think it. it'd be fabulous, right? I mean, idea. I used to live in the I used to live in the Mount Baker apartments, and it, I mm -hmm. loved that. You know, like the the my living room was the black drop downstairs, and then <laughs> <laughs> next door, this is when I was in AmeriCorps. Um, and then I would go to the temple bar in the evening and like, that was my whole kind of little universe right there. Mm -hmm. And I think there, there's some, there's a lot of, there, there's a lot of potential for that. And I wonder if this new economic reality is going to make some of that more attainable mm -hmm. and therefore more likely to happen or not, because obviously the pendulum could swing a little bit too far and it might not be possible. Mm -hmm. Which that brings us to my next line of questions, which is, you had said that the Downtown Bellingham Partnership is supporting uh, some behind the scenes work to support small businesses mm -hmm. through COVID-19. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So one of, you know, we have a couple of different committees that are providing support. So we have a retail committee, we have a, a Bellingham Nightlife Association, and then we also have a new committee within the organization that's an internal committee that's a crisis 
and recovery, a crisis response and recovery committee um, that are working on, on creative. That's that one is particularly working on creative solutions. We've started really quickly with doing things like um, advocacy at the state level for more funding. There was a a working Washington grant program um, similar to this federal EIDL program that was providing people with a, um, the idea was it would provide provide businesses, small businesses with a $10,000 grant. And mm-hmm. then they could um, also take out a very low interest loan that they would have two years to pay back. So the state offered something similar, a similar grant program, but the original funding for the entire state was $5 million. Oh, so wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so in Whatcom County, and it's and it was all kind of divided up by population of county. So in Whatcom County, um, we had enough funding to, as a county, to award 17 of those grants, of those $10,000 grants. And Jeez. over 600, 600 different businesses applied for it. So you can really see the amount of need. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. my goodness. So we've... Yeah, so we've been working to do some lobbying of the state government, particularly the governor, who is the one who can release more emergency funds into programs like that. And so we've been working on that, and we've been working on getting our um, constituency, our downtown businesses, to do some of that lobbying with us and, and doing stuff like sending them a, a, a letter template that they can fill in and add their own personal stories to and ask for more funding in that way. Um, we're also hosting a town hall on um, May 7th. So this is now in the past, but we, so we will have hosted a town hall <laughs> by the time this is, um, with a meeting with our 40th uh, legislative di- district representatives and then also Sharon Shoemake from the, from the 42nd district um, who are going to talk about what's being done at the state level to support small business. So those are some of the, the kind of main focus right now is how can we, how can we advocate for more funding from the state level. And then we're also working on um, just deciding if there's ways that we can support a general uh, fund for recovery. So a a fund that could either help um, downtown businesses do safety upgrades, get their sneeze guards in place, get get, uh, hand sanitizer dispensers on their walls. Um, I know that the the racket um, bar downtown that has the the uh, pinball. Yeah, the pinball bar, they're going to be installing um, basically the same thing, the cart wipes that you have at Hagen, that you have at the grocery Mm. store. So you can, yeah, so that you can pull out a little disposable wipe and you can wipe off your pinball machine before you play it. So helping support those sorts of upgrades and be, and, and, and also helping, um, you know, pass along guidelines um, and, and make suggestions about things like that. Um, and then also technology upgrades. So if you need to put more of your business online, we want to try to find ways to help people fund that. You know, if you're going to have to have an online portal or an online marketplace, um, we want to do that. And then we have a bunch of other things that are that I'm really excited about the possibility of, but we have a bunch of other things I'm really excited about the possibility of, but we don't have, that I'm not ready to announce yet. <laughs> well, I'm waiting with bated breath. <laughs> but I mean, really, if people want to get, they want to follow along or they want to help, the Downtown Bellingham Partnership is taking donations. We have a newsletter. We've been putting out regular newsletters about once a week where we're really sharing the stories of people that are doing incredible, helpful things. Leaf and Ladle has been has been making food en masse for the hospital, for the, um, the employees at the hospital. Uh, the Chucknut Bay Distillery, who's an example of an yes. of a small business that invested in a big old open or old space that sat for a very long time empty, and they've done amazing things. They're um, they're making hand sanitizer and they've been donating a lot of it, but they're now actually open up for sales, and so anybody can buy hand hand sanitizer. You can even yes. get 
You can even get artisanal craft made hand sanitizer in Bellingham. <laughs> that is very Bellingham. <laughs> <laughs> so like we're, we're really trying to promote the good deeds that are happening right now in a big way. And um, we're really just trying to get to get the or the the neighborhood organized, um, assess what the actual financial damages are downtown, so that we can try to identify more funding sources and um, and really just try to to be available to downtown businesses that just need to talk to somebody or have questions or don't know who to turn to or where to turn to right now for support. We're really trying to help triage some of that. So it's yeah. a lot of work, but I, I really feel motivated in a way mm-hmm. that um, feels really palpable right now because I just really care about our way of life in our downtown community. Yeah. And I want it to, to be um, as preserved as possible. And we, yeah. we are also, we are very thankful for the work that you guys are doing because oh, thank you. I mean, Maria and I, we're both, salaried people that have very secure jobs we special ed like no one wants our job um <laughs> except for us we yeah love our we jobs. love our jobs <laughs> but we we love partaking in all the great things that downtown bellingham has to offer and i know that we've both mm-hmm. been feeling a lot of helplessness and anxiety around what's going to happen in the future for our wonderful downtown so it is awesome to hear all the very uh, specific and intentional and realistically helpful things that are happening through the downtown Bellingham partnership. So thank you. Oh, that's so, that's so nice to hear. And like, I think you're probably, from what I'm hearing, you guys are not alone in your, yeah. in that feeling. There is a lot of palpable concern for downtown. And so I am, you know, I'm here to say we are going to give you opportunities to help. <laughs> there are going to be things, you know, if you can sign up for our newsletter or follow us on yes. Facebook for downtown Bellingham or follow us on Instagram, there's going to be opportunities for people to, to help and get involved. And I know that my, when I feel anxiety around an issue, I'm just like, can someone take $10 from me? <laughs> and take my money. With it. Take my money. And like, cause I'm stressed and I'm, you know, we are available for that right now at the partnership, but also so are your downtown businesses. And I th- that's why I thought it was so great that you were sweet enough to, to get me a cocktail kit from um, from a small business downtown uh, or from a small business in Bellingham. Um, and because I think that's what we really need to be doing. I mean, I, I obviously want people to be very careful and considerate about the choices they make. And we need to be mm-hmm. as safe as possible. I Nobody at the partnership or really any of the businesses that I'm interacting with or talking to on a regular basis thinks that we are that we should be doing anything any differently with our health and safety yeah. right now people mm-hmm. need to be we need to um, stay home and and that's what we should be doing yeah um, so if you're if you feel like you can do something like I mean I, I get a cocktail kit um, get food occasionally from a downtown place and, and just do it in a way that you know is safe then you know that's one thing that can happen now there you can purchase gift certificates from places online a lot of our retail places in particular really need your help. And if um, you're yeah. like me and you're realizing that you used to spend a lot more money when you could go <laughs> leave the house. It's true. Um, I know, had a going... bunch of money left over. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, that's interesting. Um, then you can do things like go to, I mean, we're very, we're very lucky and privileged, like you were saying before, mm-hmm. Annika, like to be able to, to do that. And if you have that capacity, seeking out places like Ideal or Greenhouse or brazen um brazen is really incredible and they they make a lot of their own um their own art there they're actually brazen is two former 
um, artists who used to be featured at my old shop, who met each other through my old shop and then started Brazen. So I'm particularly have a soft spot for them. But there's so many cool things that you can do down, you know, to support downtown right now. And you can find people's websites. And, you know, we, we're creatures of habit. And maybe we all kind of just need to get used to um, engaging with our community online like we are through virtual events and through, um, you know, FaceTiming with, with our, our local community. Maybe we need to engage economically online a little bit more, too, and not always think of Amazon or big box stores or Target mm-hmm. or whatever when we want to buy something special for a friend. I mean, especially now when people are having, people are still having birthdays. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel we, that. <laughs> yeah. And we like, did you guys both have birthdays recently? Or I, I birthday? had my birthday about a month ago. Oh, yeah. And it was the worst time. Well, we we surprised Maria with a um, with a cocktail kit from jalapenos. Yeah, jalapenos. So I can't believe I forgot to mention jalapenos. Well, they they were like the OG cocktail kits. Like that was the it was uh, Maria's birthday. That those were the which was great. Like a cocktail kit from jalapenos hit the spot. It was very birthday feeling. It did Uh, feel festive. yeah. yeah, big mama. I, I love that they they were they they uh, a phrase that people are starting to hate or a word that people are starting to hate is pivot. But they pivoted very quickly, <laughs> and uh-huh. immediately um, went for it, and really were like they were like ready within <laughs> like moments before I was like, oh, I guess that's what everybody's going to be doing is what Jalapenos yeah. is doing. They had the big signage. I'm uh, man. If there's any downtown business that can hear me right now, can hear the sound of my voice. Big signage, signage you can see from your car driving by. Yes. is really imp- imperative right now. It's it's really helpful. And Stickers for Days is offering free um, banners. And I'm just like, everyone, just like a big sign, even if it says like, we're closed right now, sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just need everybody to, to just shout out their their uh, their realities right now on their <laughs> as much as possible. But yeah, Jalapenos did, did such a good job. Lapiama did it Im- immediately, mm-hmm. just really killed it. Um, so, you know, we're seeing really cool examples of, of people really kind of stepping up and, and yeah, I'm so glad that they did that for you, Maria. That's so sweet. It my was birthday's really on June sweet. 2nd, so I, oh yeah, my birthday's June 2nd. So I'm like, people are like, what are we going to do for your birthday? And I'm like, I genuinely have no idea. Marissa, if you had, um, any kind of final thoughts for folks listening home alone, any any last message that you want to get out there before we move on to our last segment? Yeah, I feel like, you know, as you can probably tell, I'm trying to keep as positive an attitude as I possibly can. I definitely have dark, scary moments where I really fear a pretty massive loss downtown. And uh, it's just not in my nature to maintain that for very long. And I just really, you know, I think the best way for us to for us to move forward is for people to just, you know, really be positive, um, think positively and remember their values and also uh, act out their values. So if mm-hmm. you are, um, if you have the, the, the capacity to support, you have the wherewithal and the funds to support small businesses right now, if you, um, if you feel safe doing that to do it and, um, and also be, you know, please be ready to start supporting those businesses going forward. I feel like my experience as a, as a amateur local historian has taught me that we as a community have weathered major um, national recessions and depressions and, and huge economic impacts over and over and over again by really turning towards each other. Mm-hmm. And there have, there are great stories I could go on for a long time about great stories 
of our city center really weathering things that didn't that, that other parts of the country had a very hard time weathering because we looked out for each other and we cared about um, supporting um, you know the local family owned business or the small business and I think that's kind of hardwired within us and and it's something that I hope will continue to draw on as we go forward and you know the the beloved granary um, or granary depending on your, your <laughs> persuasion I think it stores gra- stored grain so I call it a granary <laughs> same <laughs> but um, it it was uh, a chicken and poultry cooperative, and it really helped people, or a poultry and egg cooperative, and it, it really helped people get through the depression because you could have a small chicken coop in your backyard and um, sell your eggs through this this cooperative, or you could buy feed on, on mass. And, and that was a really creative solution um, that the community came up with, and it really genuinely saved some people's lives. And I think that we are... We have the creativity and the passion and the care for one of each other, one another. That is that is that is all we need in order to um, to get through this crisis phase and and to move us through the rec- recovery phase. And so, my ask of everybody in the community is always just to try to be as thoughtful as you can with how you spend your money and um, and try to be as supportive as you can and understanding and patient as people are trying to figure out um, and, and adapt and pivot um, <laughs> at this ah. moment in time. All right. Well, speaking of positive positivity, let's mm-hmm. um, let's go out on a really positive note by talking about oh. our local treasures. So this is one Ooh. mention of something that you've um, eaten, drinking, or otherwise consumed recently that fills you with local pride. Uh, we've talked about a lot of great businesses on this episode. So yeah. Uh, this is this is just you know one more final thought. We'll make it kind of short because you know we yeah. love all of our businesses. But one thing to recommend uh, that you haven't mentioned yet, Marissa, to send out to our listeners. Okay, 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 okay. So I'm gonna I'll do I'll do something that's very uh, different from I'll go in a totally different direction. So um, I at the beginning of all this made a, a commitment, like I talked to earlier, like I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to buy a lot of soap. For this, to get through this. And so I um, bought soap from Sea Witch Botanicals, which you can order online. And they're yes. local. They're a family. Yes, do you know what I'm talking about? I love you them. Had it before? Yes. So they're at the farmer's market. I knew that the farmer's market was most likely going to be very different, if not not exist for a while. Um, I, I um, know the owners of Sea Witch, and they are incredible, very dedicated people who care very much about every single thing that goes into their soap. They, they um, give back to, um, to the community. They just even do stuff like pick, um, pick up trash um, on a regular basis in, yeah, in their neighborhood and around where they, they make their soap. And um, I kind of did a big soap splurge. Um, they see which does a couple of really cool things. They have a black charcoal soap, which is what my partner uses to wash his hair and his face because it's like an all over face head soap <laughs> a grooming soap and then i use their um their their facial bar which has they they use like rice paper to print images and then they have a clear layer of soap on top of a, of a more opaque layer um and they have all the different in- images and they have ones with like inspirational phrases on them like you are rad but they also have <laughs> ones with like mermaids and cats and stuff uh-huh. on it and i just think they're fabulous so yeah that would be mine see which botanicals they're a fabulous amazing company to support locally 
Um, and you can buy them, I think, through Brazen. I know you can buy them at Brazen's shop in person, but I'm not sure if they're on their website as well. But see which botanicals has their own website. All right. What about awesome. you guys? I'm excited to hear about you. Oh, sorry, what, Maria? Oh, I was just gonna. I was gonna ask the same question. So I was gonna transition on to Annika and ask about her <laughs> local treasure this week. Yeah. So mine usually. Uh, I love to partake in food and drinks. So usually my local treasure is one of those two. But what I partook in this week, I purchased four plants from Baby Greens. And it started out as two plants. And then they came and I was like, I love these. And so I ordered more. But it was beautiful. And I love that I love going into that store. I for I kind of forgot that that was even an option to to order plants. But Mm -hmm. uh, somehow I ended up on their Instagram. And uh, yeah, they do free delivery as long as you live in town. And they also gave me some chocolate on my second. I guess maybe it was because it was my second order in two days. But uh, yeah, when they've been when they were open, did you ever have mimosas there? You can like sit in there and have mimosas. And and what kind of plants did you get? I'm really curious to you. I'm sorry if I'm putting on the spot because I'm terrible at plant names. So I got the Monstera Deliciosa. It's the Mm -hmm. um, Swiss cheese plant, like with the. With the crack, the like yeah, the holes in, in the it. Leaves. I have one yes. of those in Animal Crossing, so I know like all about it. <laughs> Perfect. And then I have a. I don't know the other two. There's one that's got like pink leaves on it, and mm-hmm. it's supposed to be kind of a plant that is in the shade. So I have it in one of the bathrooms, which I'm really excited oh, about. Nice. It's it's the bathroom that we're redoing right now. So now it's going to have a cool plant in it. And then mm. the other one I got two, I can't remember what they're called, but they're like a viney plant. Cool. I know it felt bad. Yeah. It's a minute I was asking. I was like, I'm sorry for asking, but do you know what your plants are called? <laughs> no, I'm that's okay. <laughs> People are always like, what's that? And I'm like, uh, it's, um, I call it a <laughs> spicadium. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> and what about right. you, Maria? I'm, ex- I'm excited to hear what you're going to say. Yes. Actually, my shout out, and I can't believe we haven't mentioned it. I don't think we've mentioned it yet on our podcast, but Bellingham's favorite hole in the wall dive, Super Duper Teriyaki and their chicken katsu. I remember <gasps> having it like for the very, like walking down the road, pitch black. I don't remember why I was even like, in the area i might have been me- trying to meet someone in fairhaven or something and just like being like what's that i guess i'll go in because i'm hungry and ordering the chicken katsu and it just being like life-changing mm-hmm. and and introducing it to people and changing lives like all over left and right yeah left and right um <laughs> it's it's like it's not exactly traditional japanese chicken katsu it's like nothing else i've ever had before but if you haven't had it it's a bellingham staple and you should probably go order some yes. that sounds so good it's really good um this makes uh, me want to just say that the korean hot pot downtown is also very very good <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't had yes. it yet there's a new place that's right next to the leopold a newish place I think yeah it's uh yungane the the Yungane, owner yeah. is lovely she's so sweet their food is amazing yeah. so yeah. that's that's another place that people should definitely order from i think they just started doing delivery oh good yeah i was just following that i just followed like i've been going and occasionally getting stuff from there but yeah i would love to get delivery from there that's really smart anyway all right that's to, yeah. so this was an amazing episode thank you so much marissa i feel like i learned oh. so much we're really I grateful like i talked so much sorry no about that. no <laughs> you're that's the point. 
the, the more talking yeah, you do, the less talking we have to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I thank you guys so much for having me. It's really fun. I always love talking about downtown, as you can tell. And there's, you know, there, there's a lot of work to be done. But I love getting to talk to people who are big supporters of the neighborhood because it makes me feel like like I'm doing the I'm I'm on the right path. Doing um, God's work. What I'm doing with my, yeah, like I'm doing God's work. That's it, Brett. I'm kind of a heathen. <laughs> yeah, no, I, that's the same. All yeah, right. Thank you so much for having me and for um, suggesting that I, that I come on and, and and obviously for providing me this cocktail, which is I finished kind of a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, that means it's uh, time to get up and make ourselves another one. So with that, we're going to leave off with a big stay healthy, Bellingham. A little more subdued, Maria. Please stay healthy. Cut. <laughs> <laughs> give a thanks to Jeff Bigley for letting us use his music. A big thank you to Annika for doing the editing for this episode. Special thanks to our special guest. And thank you to all of our listeners. We love you so much. Spread the word. That's amazing. (laughs) See ya.